Before we get started on this episode of the Roos Files Unite movie podcast, I wanted to let you know about World Film Locations Moscow from Intellect Books, edited by Birgit Boimus. The book explores over 40 scenes spanning almost a century of Russian and Soviet movies that use the Russian capital as their backdrop, and that includes a piece on a scene from Moscow Does Not Believe in Tears, of course. It also features seven short essays on topics ranging from the grandiose but never realised Palace of the Soviets to the Moscow Metro. The latter was a very big part of my life in Moscow, and the former, well, it didn't exist, so, you know, not so much. Anyway, this book is part of Intellect Books' wider World Film Location series that encompasses New York, Paris, Buenos Aires, Tokyo... Mumbai, Dublin, Toronto, you get the picture. If it's a prominent location in world cinema, the chances are there's a book in the series about it. You'll be able to get hold of these from your nearest independent bookseller or wherever you get your books, and you can also find them at intellectbooks.com. I've included links to both the Moscow edition and the wider series in the show notes for this episode. Okay, so now that you know about that, on with the show. Sally, this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films or films about Russia. As always, I am joined by a guest, and today my guest is Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi there. Very nice to be here. Thanks for uh, coming along, although we're actually recording this in your house. So, indeed, so yeah. It's me coming along, but thanks, never mind. Thanks for hosting, Jenny. You've been awesome. Oh, yeah, indeed, okay. indeed. So, Jenny, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I work for a wildlife charity. I do PR for a very niche area of the RSPB um, that deals with um, investigating bird crime. So, I'd spend most of my life writing about dead birds, which is weird. Um, Before that, I wrote about other things that were a bit more normal, mostly theatre, books, restaurants and stuff for a local magazine and a local paper. So, yeah, that's kind of me professionally and I know Ali here from our university days um, when I was studying English literature and he used to sneak into our film screenings because one of our modules was literature and film so um, every week we'd have a different film shown in a lecture theatre and yeah he came along and we'd talk about the films and that kind of thing and yeah we've always had that interest in films and, and literature together. Yeah, we've kind of been nerding it up about films and, and oh, books yes. for, for quite some time now. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind Over of scary. 10 years. Yes, we're, it's now going to be 10 years since we, we graduated this summer, which is... Uh, terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, yeah, so uh, speaking of, of films and cinema, um, what would you say your kind of taste in films is? What you know, films mm. do you like? My favourite films are pretty much the same as when I was about 14. So I think that's the age when I decided what I liked. And I haven't really changed since then. So, um, yeah, I don't have a cool sense of uh, uh, taste in films. But I think my all-time favourite is Little Women, um, which I just absolutely love. And I can watch that at any stage in my life and relate to it. So that's kind of my favourite. I also like things like I Capture the Castle, um, Lost in Translation... Stuff where it's about people, I think, and sort of their journey and the characters. Yeah, 
with with most of those films not a lot happens but it's all about you know the people and their yeah journey i guess so not kind of big action uh, no, set pieces. No, not action or superhero. Transformers or... 3 or something nah, like that. Nah. Yeah, robots <laughs> hitting each other. Sort of thing. <laughs> um, but that's uh, actually uh, when I suggested to Jenny doing this uh, this particular film for the, po- for the podcast, um, Jenny actually said, oh, I'm hoping it's going to be... Um, Kind of like a Russian Little Women, which I can kind of see how you might uh, come to that conclusion from uh, from like the the, the summary. Hmm. Um, uh, before we get on to what film we're going to be watching, uh, you've actually been to Russia, haven't you? Jane? I have indeed. Yeah, um, in two thousand and three, I went on a school trip. We went to uh, St Petersburg and Moscow. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. It was my first time that far east, mm. so it was a real change from the usual Western destinations that I'd been to previously. Um, I mean, mostly because we were in, you know, sixth form. Um, I was just showing Ali my photos, and it's mostly just me and my friends messing around. There's there's a few, you know, landmarks in there as well, but I don't know if I could tell you a whole lot about the history of of um, of the Kremlin and the, the different art in the. Um, in the museums but um i certainly enjoyed it a lot and yeah fantastic cities and actually the main thing i remember from the trip was the sleeper train between moscow and st petersburg which felt like something from james bond Mm, it was amazing mm. but there was no jaws so that's good yeah yeah you you don't want a guy with metal teeth like chomping you in the neck (laughs) no nobody flew out the window or anything yeah, uneventful, which, yeah. Is, which is what you want. <laughs> but yeah, definitely doing that sort of overnight train journey is kind of, I think, of as being sort of a, a rite of passage in yeah. terms of travelling within Russia. So it's cool that you got to see two different cities. Yes, yeah, so um, different as well. Yeah. Do you have a, a favourite well, of the two? Well, I guess I liked St. Petersburg because it was pretty and um, it was more reminiscent of, you know, Vienna or Paris or somewhere. Um, it looked very stunning. But... Moscow was probably more different because it was so kind of, I don't know, there was such a contrast of rich and poor. And I just remember the coach pulling in to where our hotel was and there were people sleeping literally in the middle sort of 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 the roads on the roundabouts and stuff. And the cars were all battered and it all smelt of petrol and it was completely different. There were people selling crows in cages and I'd never seen anything like that. So that was really fascinating in terms of a, a cultural shift yeah, for me. Yeah. It was really sort of eye-opening. Okay. Uh, do you think you'd kind of ever ever go back? Oh yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Because it was such a whistle-stop tour. Yeah. And I was a teenager, so I'd love to go back now and see how it's changed or um, just sort of explore it in a bit more depth. Okay, super. Um, So, moving on to the film that we're going to be watching today. It is called Moscow uh, Does Not Believe in Tears, uh, or Moskva Slizam Niverit. Show off. Yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) We'll kind of have to do that at least once an episode. Um, (laughs) Good action. So, yes, uh, you know, a certain amount of practice over the years. Indeed. Um, Yeah, so um, do you know anything about this film? Have you ever heard of about it? Oh, I have to admit, no, I don't. Um, when when you first mentioned it, it was the first I'd heard of it. Yeah. So, yeah, sadly, to my shame, I'm not up on my Russian film knowledge. So this is me coming in very fresh and, um, yeah, very enthusiastic to discover more about it, for sure. Cool. Yeah, it's one of those things... If it was a slightly more recent, there's more chance you would have would have heard of it. Yeah, because it was it was kind of big in its in its day. It's actually um, it won uh, the 1980 uh, best foreign film Oscar. Oh, cool. So it's not um, totally obscure, but like 1980 is a while back now. Mm. So 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 yeah, and of course you know winning an Oscar isn't necessarily indicative of quality. It just means that you know the it's not shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And and the Russian uh, or Soviet authorities thought that this was the one that that year they wanted to submit. So, okay. so they liked it. And then obviously the Americans liked it as well. I kind of think it's it's interesting that it being a Soviet film from 1980, that it won because my recollection of well, recollection, as if I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding of the history of that point was like, the early 80s there was a bit of a flare up in the cold war so mm. it kind of really has to be doing something special yeah for for that sort of film to be winning in in that in that climate it actually also 
beat some films from some uh, some pretty famous uh, directors that year. There was there was a Kurosawa film, Kagimusha was up for the Oscar that year, and there was also a Francois Truffaut film. So it was kind of yeah, it was. It sounds like it was quite a competitive field, uh, mm. field that year. So yeah, so, so good job. Quite well, um, this is actually for me the second time I will have seen it. The first time was at uh, Pushkin House, which is like a sort of an NGO in in London in, in Bloomsbury, where they kind of have various different events, kind of promoting Russian culture and sort oh, of, yeah. you know intercultural contact. So I was quite lucky to have it sort of introduced by a by a sort of an academic who studies Russian culture. So that, that was cool. So um, that was a couple of years ago, so I don't remember as much about it uh, as ideally uh, I would like. I, I kind of fancied that I'd taken really detailed notes, but no, I had like a half a page. Um, <laughs> but the interesting, or one interesting detail I did pick up from that was apparently Ronald Reagan watched it something like eight times before he oh. met uh, Mikhail Gorbachev for the first time. Okay, so, weird. So yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it was just supposed to be like that good as far as providing an insight into Russian culture. So, yeah, yeah. so I think his either the his thinking or the advice he was received he received was kind of like, you know, if you want to understand the yeah. Russian mindset, they probably gave him a big like volume and said, "Here's Russian history, or you can watch Moscow does not believe in tears." And he's like, times. "I'll watch that eight times." Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, so, he obviously yeah. liked it if he kept on watching it. Indeed, yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know like whether Ronald Reagan is the kind of <laughs> the best arbiter, arbiter of, uh, of film taste. but And but, is he yeah. indeed the target audience for this sort of movie? Who knows? Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. But hey, it's, it at least... It, it Something for everyone. Some, yeah, universal <laughs> appeal. Right, so we should probably stop uh, beating around uh, around the bush and actually watch the thing. Yes. Um, what we do to kind of launch into into the film is we... It's a little gimmick we have. Oh, here we go. Um, we say what Yuri Gagarin said when he was blasting off to be the first uh, the first human in space. And the phrase that he said, uh, he used was, Payekhali. Um, <laughs> so that's what we'll be doing. It's not very exciting. It just means... Off we go, or we're off. So, but it's kind of like the equivalent of like one small step for man in terms yeah. of like how iconic it is. Nice. For, Say for it Russians. again. So yes, payehli. Payehli. Okay, so we'll do it. <laughs> one, two, three. Payehli. So we've just watched Moscow Doesn't Believe in Tears. And uh, yeah, Jenny, uh, if you could give a short synopsis uh, of the plot, that would be great. So, gosh, the synopsis. So it starts off with three friends. I guess they're early 20s, just out of college. They're yeah. living together in a sort of dormitory setup, which is quite unusual for me. I, I haven't seen that kind of thing in the West, I guess. They seem to be kind of looking for a man, or certainly one of them, Ludmilla, Lud is. And then they're kind of... Yeah, tackling, you know, finding finding love and making a, something of their careers. And then, I guess it's not a big spoiler, but one of the girls falls pregnant and um, sort of her life ends up taking a slightly different course to the one she'd predicted for herself. So, is this about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's all good so far. Yeah, that's... that's so that's part one. Mm-hmm. And notably, part one is set in the 1950s. Indeed. I just forgot to mention yeah. that. <laughs> and then we jump forward, like, well... 20 years? It's not quite 20 years. I'd say like 15, 16 okay. years, just judging by how yes. old the daughter is. Mm -hmm. So we yeah. come back and the daughter has grown up. And, yeah. yeah. And Moscow is notably changed. That was yeah. quite interesting um, to see, yeah, the city developing and, um, yeah, all that kind of thing too. Yeah, I wonder how they kind of faked that for the They must the have film. just chosen different yeah, parts of town. locations that looked a bit more, yeah, yeah less developed. Um, and then where do we kind of pick up from in the second half? Well, the second half um, is with Katya, who's sort of central character, and she's the one that had fallen pregnant in the first half part. And um, yeah, she's kind of in a slightly better place than we left her, surprisingly. Um, it sort of ended all quite sort of on a bit of a downer. Yeah. And she was 
miserable basically and then um yeah we, we 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 check back in with her and she's done quite well at work she's sort of like head of something or other she's some kind of big wig in the yeah, factory, like factory yeah. yeah so she'd been a sort of factory girl quite lowly initially and now she's walking around in a what's clearly a fancy suit sort of having important conversations um and yeah she's got a nice apartment and yeah life's kind of going well although is it you know that's it's, yeah. it seems like it is but then she's clearly still quite depressed and not entirely happy yeah and that sort of explores that and her friends have settled in very different ways and um, we've got um what was the name of the really quiet girl it was Antonina. Antonina. So she sort of follows a very traditional path. She marries a young man and they sort of make a joke about how he's so sort of conventional that she might as well have met him in, you know, whichever village that she'd left. Yeah, that they... just, it's specifically, it's Lyudmila says, like, why did you come to Moscow? Yeah. You met a guy like him yeah. just anywhere. Because they've all clearly sort of come from the, the provinces and come to Moscow yeah. to make the big time and, yeah. you know, sort of all this sort of, I guess this dream of finding riches and finding success in the big city. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Ludmilla, who was very sort of like carefree and sort of um, chippy and stuff, she's ended up in a, she's still kind of living in a chaotic way. She's got an ex-husband knocking on the door asking for money and she's got a fag in her mouth and she's like all dishevelled when we see her. And um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see what's changed and what hasn't and how their lives have all gone in different different um, trajectories. Cool. Yeah, so that's a... Uh, good uh, overall summary. Like, what what would you say? Uh, sorry, I always do this, and it always sounds patronising. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, well done. <laughs> yes, excellent, jolly good. Um, so yeah, uh, d- I guess first things first. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was long, and mm. I suppose because I was scribbling notes and reading subtitles, I think I'd probably prefer to go back and watch it again and really soak it in. Because, yeah, it kind of whizzes past and mm. I think there were bits that I I missed um, just by sort of trying to pay, pay too close attention. Sure. But sure. I did like the themes, I liked the characters, or not, not all of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad I watched it. Okay, well, let's go from there. Which which of the characters were you less than fond of? <sighs> so I had real, a real, real problem with Katya just mm. because she had so much promise. She okay. seemed really strong. She was clearly intelligent. She wanted to go to college. She sort of was being carried along a little bit by Ludmilla in the sort of quest mm. for a man, but you could tell that she wasn't too concerned about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she seemed kind of like she had it all sorted. Um, but then she still seemed all throughout both parts, you know, even yeah. when she was older, very submissive. And that mm. kind of annoyed me. I was like, ah, get a bit of gumption, love, you know, come back and, you know, have a bit show a bit of fighting spirit mm. that she clearly had at work you know in her yeah home i was life. gonna say actually because in her work life she's yeah. very much like calling the shots and like exactly. she has guys who are older than her like like quite a bit mm. reporting to her and then kind of saying yeah but we couldn't do it and she's like that's no excuse get on with it get yeah. it done so i wanted to see a bit yeah. more of that in yeah. her private life i was like come on you've yeah. obviously got this well, spark but it I, kind of she would look sort of lovingly at these you know annoyingly at like dictatorial men and just yeah. be like oh you know you're the best thing in the world and i was like no yeah because that's a big point uh point in this in the second part of the film what happens with her love life yeah 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 she kind of doesn't have much power and control over that she sort mm. of is led a lot of the time you know well, yeah. in the first part when she ends up falling pregnant yeah she's kind of not wanting that to happen and she's saying no but she sort of goes ahead with it anyway yeah well that's actually a, a big point like it's it's pretty... What happens to her, how she gets pregnant, it's pretty rapey. I think it we is. can agree. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, very um, non-consensual. So yeah. By today's standards, it's, you know... Yeah. Yeah, kind of problematic to watch, but... Yeah. And it's interesting as well, kind of how it's all thrown back on her. Yeah. You know, she obviously didn't want this to happen, um, and she tried to say no, mm. but then the fact that she ends up getting pregnant, well, obviously, you know, that's all her fault. Yeah. The man had nothing to do with it. So, yeah, as a woman, I'm always just like, oh, I, I can't help but take her part. Sure, sure, sure. Although I don't feel like necessarily the film is saying, like, it was all her fault. No, know, she true. She was wearing a low-cut dress, which she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she wasn't in the film. If you're going to go out clear. in a short skirt, you can expect to be uh, molested on the way home or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not no, quite it's, like that. No, it isn't. I think I think a lot of it is Roddy... Well, actually, that's worth mentioning. Uh, the guy she 
initially has the relationship. He seems like quite a, a nice, yeah, a nice guy. He does actually. When um, they first meet, they both seem kind of sweet and quite quiet and just sort yeah. of really lovely. And, yeah, and yeah. it's not like she ran. He randomly attacks her. It's more no, like he's he's very. You know, he pours her champagne. They're they're talking. You know, they have a lot in common and and. You know, it's it's not too full on. They they yeah. dance together. It's really sweet. Yeah. Um. But yeah. It's just that he gets to the point where he wants to go further. She says, "Uh, no," and he just doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. So. It's... But then the worst bit afterwards yeah. is, is is the fact that he just literally walks away. Yeah. When he finds out that she's pregnant and she needs some help and she's yeah. sort of crying and he's like, yeah. "Well, this is a woman's problem." Yeah. He literally <sighs> says that, and it's just like, "Oh my goodness." Yeah. It's like um, it's nothing to do with me. Yeah. And, uh, that's really hard to watch. Well, and then in the second half, he shows back up. Like, yeah, and he's suddenly interested again. Yeah, because he has a, he has a well, 16, 17-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and he wants to be part of her life. Yeah. Although at this point, I think is she does stand up for herself a lot more. Yes. Like, she kind of gives him this speech. She does, actually, to her credit. She tells him, no, you're not going to see her. You know, yeah. where have you been all this time? Like, why yeah. are you suddenly interested? Yeah, um, like, when it was kind of like taking her to school and kind of changing her nappy and yeah. all that you weren't there mm. and now that she's kind of she's an adult you're kind of interested like yeah yeah that's kind of double standard so yeah there's a little bit of pushback yeah, that's true yeah um what did you think of gosha the kind of the new man in her life in the <gasps> second half so yeah he was a really interesting character mm. i think until him, I did actually feel like kind of a lot of the other characters were a little bit one-dimensional. Okay. Um, they were sort of either flighty women or sort of housewifey women, mm. or they were traditionally blokey men, or they were, you know, traditionally douchebaggy men. <laughs> it was kind of like they were fitting into these clear categories. Sort of archetypes, yeah. Yes, but that's you can right. almost say that's deliberately done to explore Perhaps. those, maybe. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but then, yeah, Gosha comes along and he's really unconventional. Mm. And um, How so? Well, <laughs> so he kind of asserts himself and sort of, well, we first meet him on the train randomly really yeah. randomly i think yeah everything about him is kind of random mm. and he just then the next thing he's at her apartment and he pops around for dinner yeah and sort, sort of, of invites like, himself yeah exactly yeah. and he hands the daughter like a bag of onions and is like all right get chopping and she's like who's this guy yeah, <sighs> yeah. so he sort of just he's there and then yeah. he's sat at the table chatting to them and and the daughter starts quizzing him and i think she's quite a cool character yeah she's very no nonsense and kind yeah. of like typical teenager just like kind of doesn't give a shit but asks quite straightforward questions which I thought yeah, was quite she's cool quite gr- she's quite grown up in her way yeah. I mean, you kind of do see her listening to her music and being really into that but yeah. she is kind of like so who are you yeah you well, nothing like me as a 17 year old absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean she's not she's not rude but she kind of like you, you know she's she seems quite clued up yeah maybe yeah, the exactly. product of having been brought up by a strong professional woman i don't right, know right yeah yeah that's probably probably fair enough yeah she's been taught to kind of hold her own perhaps. yeah but um, yeah she tells gosha like well she says to him so what are you doing here you know do you want to marry my mum and he's, he's like, like yeah probably and it's like how long have you known her uh about 48 hours and 20 minutes he sort of looks at his watch yeah um and then yeah he sort of pops off and it's like okay that's kind of random who yeah. is this intriguing man <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he is very i mean what very, did you make of him yeah i think he's he's very charismatic i mean yes. like i sort of wrote in my notes that he's kind of like russian humphrey bogart there's yeah. something kind of quite because he's not like conventionally handsome but he no. has a certain certain kind of ruggedness definitely that makes it sound like i fancy him, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah he's yeah. got a good sort of charisma a good aura and quite a low low voice he even sounds a bit i mean obviously speaking russian he sounds like the tone of his voice is quite mm-hmm. bogarty yes. and he has this kind of like rough and ready but kind of the way they portray him anyway is like a heart of gold like we, yeah. we can kind of dispute that because He's he's a very conservative guy. Like, yeah, he kind is... of. There are bits where he comes over as caring, mm. um, and then he sort of, you know, he is very straight down the line, and he yeah. has his opinions. And you kind of forgive him because you know he makes dinner, which is I think quite unusual in, yeah, in Russia yeah. at that time. And he like tucks her up with a blanket when she's having this picnic. Um, but then there were some absolute alarm bells clanging yeah. away which would just suddenly come out of nowhere when he would sort of shout her down when she was yeah. explaining her expressing an opinion and he yeah. would just be like you can't speak to me like that in her own house yeah. so I was shouting yeah, yeah. at the telly like no I can't believe he's such a bully so I just kept com- com- being quite conflicted about yeah. him yeah I mean it's not like he he's, he doesn't 
he doesn't yell at her. He's no. very he's very kind of calm, but he's also like straight down the line like i will not be spoken to yeah. like that he like, puts her in her place which i found really yeah, uncomfortable it, it doesn't feel like they're equal and he's really yeah. insecure because he basically this is a spoiler alert <laughs> but he he basically runs off mm. when he finds out um you know what she actually does yeah and how much money she earns yeah because she um because she know he, he knows that she's like quite senior yeah but he has no idea quite how important she is mm. and and then once he finds out i mean his pretext is that you know is that she lied to him which you know technically yeah. she was keeping things from him but it's it, you can kind of from some of the things he says sometimes half jokingly yeah but yeah you're never quite sure mm. yeah he just kind of is very much like no i'm the boss around here yeah what i say goes yeah he was quite dictatorial which was yeah. a bit yeah e. yes yeah. so yeah, and, and I, I always think that that character's, I don't know, quite a sort of window into how the film in general kind of, its outlook. Yeah. Because I think the film quite likes him. They think, that, yes. you know. They think he's this sort of um, charismatic hero. Which, you know, he is super charismatic. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's, he's a, you know, he's quite a cool guy. He's, yeah. He's got his flaws, but he is, you know, he's not like, I don't know. Yeah, I think the... I'm, now I'm making excuses for which I'm not trying to. <laughs> so yeah, the ending is kind of like seems to sort of set it up as like it's oh it's all worked out well because one of the sort of um, yeah. themes it seemed to be or sort of things they kept alluding to is um, not everything works out right away mm. and this kind of goes back to her future sort of following a slightly different path than yeah. she expected and she doesn't find happiness and happily ever after right away but then oh now she has with this lovely man that she's she's yeah. waited for and. And it was kind of difficult because, yeah, the film clearly sets him up as this is the guy she's been waiting for. But as a sort of 21st century female viewer, I had a few questions. And it yeah. actually reminded me a bit of um, My Fair Lady. Okay. Because um, mm, yeah. at the end there, he's kind of, I think they have a big argument, but then she comes back to him. Yeah. And um, then he sort of says to her something like, oh, well, pass me my slippers then. And it's oh, like, oh, okay. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, because all the while you're rooting that. for them. Because in the the play that that's based on, the, the Pigmil- short, Pigmil- yeah, Pigmalion, Pigmalion, yeah, George Bernard Short. My understanding, I haven't, I haven't seen it or read it. Mm, is I've that, seen it. Oh, okay. And they don't get together. I was going to say, mm. yeah, I thought that they didn't. Sorry, yeah. spoiler alert for Pigmalion. <laughs> I totally ruined that for everyone. I mean, not that not that anyone reads George Bernard Short anymore. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it is interesting. Mm. I mean. I don't know. Maybe we're being too harsh on it <laughs> in the sense of like it's a 1980 film. Yes. You can and we're putting film. our modern sensibilities sure. on it. Yeah, and I think that's totally fair enough to do. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying that you get films made, you know, probably now, certainly like much more recent in the last 5 years that are, you know, equally like, you know, a woman's not got a life together yes. if she's if she's single. Well, look at most rom-coms. It's yeah. all like, find a man and your life will be complete. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would so. you call this a rom-com? <sighs> That's a really good question. Because it is actually very funny. There's yeah. some really good laugh-out-loud moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, it's, you don't want to kind of spoil the joke if people are <laughs> going to watch it. I mean, but it's, it's quite self-aware. I mean, I yes. think my favourite joke is when... There's uh, one of the male characters goes to look for another one and he's sort of knocking on doors. Yeah. And because he's very kind of stodgy and straight-laced but still with an air of authority, the person who answers the door is... It's never said, but they, it's kind of quite clear that they assume that he's a KGB guy just because of how he's carrying himself. Yeah. Which is quite a funny thing just because it's awkward and it's kind of scary. Yeah. But also it's funny that it's in a Soviet film from that time yeah. that they would make that joke. It's True. like, and this is pre-sort of perestroika, so, so I'm kind of almost surprised that that joke makes it in, possibly because nobody actually says, I think it's the KGB, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, well, I'm glad that you that you found it funny as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was kind of, yeah, self-aware and also that sort of sense of... Um, because we're watching it retrospectively, mm. it's about an earlier era. Yeah. We kind of have that knowledge of the past that enables us to sort of laugh at stuff they say. Like, I think 
they they make a lot about um the, how television is going to change the world. Yeah, so and there were yeah, sorry. No, that's all right. There was um it was I think the same bit you were going to say where the the daughter kind of they're talking about how TV is just going to replace movies and books. Yeah, and, and um she's like, oh yeah, I can I can imagine that happening with them. Um, which way around is it? Yeah, because they because it's a it's a return to a previous conversation that you'd had yeah. at a dinner table, which mm-hmm. you probably should come back to because he's this guy back in the 50s is saying TV is the future. Yeah. Um, and one of them says, yeah, um, okay, I can see TV replacing plays. They're on their way out. Mm. But, you know, the films and books, they're still going to be a big deal. Yeah. And then we jump forward to the 80s. The daughter is, <laughs> is having the same conversation with the same guy. Um, and he, and she's saying, well, yeah, theatre, that's always going to be around. Yeah, maybe it will replace films and books. <laughs> uh, yeah, going... and we know it obviously doesn't. Yeah, yeah that's um, quite good. Yeah, and, and just for us, you know, TV is kind of, I mean, it's still popular, but it's kind of old hat. I guess so. Although, I suppose now with Netflix and True. all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I suppose. TV it, at home is almost replacing movies. Yeah. In a way. But it's much more on your own schedule. It's not yeah. like everyone, ha- everyone you know, in the country is going to be watching. I mean, there are probably so, still some big things that are like that. But yeah. there isn't, it's more atomized and more like sure. people picking up things that they like. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was an interesting kind of point to to return to, though. Like in the fifties, that in terms of specific scenes that we really liked. Sorry, I should kind of ask you first. Like, no, no. Were, were there any scenes that you kind of that really stood out for you? Um, we... well, I don't know. I'm going to throw this straight back at you, oh, yeah. actually, because you can come at it from a perspective of someone who's lived in Russia and knows a lot more about the political history. Mm. So for me, I kind of didn't have any of that background to enrich my appreciation of the film. So. How did it appear to you when you were watching the sort of 50s scenes? Yeah, um, I think the the one really interesting one is there. there's this dinner this dinner party at this really kind of nice apartment. I mean, there's a whole kind of big complicated web of lies that <laughs> is why this, is, this thing is happening there, um, which is largely because of Ludmilla. We can talk about her a bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, you have these different guys. Most of them are quite young. Most of them are about the same age as as the two, uh, as Ludmilla and Katya. But there's this one older guy who's probably like, you know, mid-40s. Mm. And he's the one that initially says, yeah. life begins at 40. And they all laugh. Everyone is kind of like, yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever. And then yeah. skip forward to when they're 40. And and they're all saying it as well. Yeah, yeah. and they Which is the film, too. you know, another example of the film being deliberately... Yes. ironical and a bit funny indeed um so it's not just you know it, some of it is intention a lot of it's intentionally funny most yeah. of the times it's funny it's because it's trying to be but anyway you have this scene and you know the 40 year old guys kind of saying you know the youth nowadays they kind of they mock their elders and it's <laughs> not it's not cool um and one of one of the younger guys says says yeah because we speak our minds and um, and you guys, you were silent when you should have said stuff. Mm. And they never specifically say what it's about, but because it's the 50s, they're kind of talking about the Stalin era and, like, the purges and, you know, the fact that that sort of just... People didn't, at least... I'm sure pl- plenty of people did did say stuff, but they probably ended up in the gulags themselves. Mm-hmm. So this 40-year-old guy is kind of like... Yeah, no. If you'd been around and been through what I've been through, you'd have done the the same. Yeah, uh, essentially. And yeah, because like no, wouldn't. And it's an um, interesting period because I think it's they're, they're just coming out of that now, aren't yeah, they? In the late yeah, 50s. yeah, in the late fifties. So things had loosened up. Stalin yeah. died in fifty three, and then you had uh, Khrushchev, who was you know quite a flawed leader as well, but he deliberately like distanced the government from how things have been done and trying to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, it was still a, essentially a, a dictatorship, but it was less kind of cult of personality-ish. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people were um, were sort of released from the gulags and rehabilitated and just they kind of tried to draw a line under things. Yeah, there was a sense in the movie of sort of Moscow changing Yeah, um, and the new generation's... Um, coming up yeah. and changing things. Yeah, that sort of East versus West theme was kind of interesting to me and mm. I think would probably have more um, impact on you. Like, how did you feel about that? You know, there were bits that were showing canned goods and Western yeah. music. What did um, that mean to you? Uh, I think 
I don't know. I don't think it was being. It was particularly saying sort of strong things about the kind of the Cold War. I think it was really mostly focused on how things were in in Russia. But there, mm. but there were kind of little sort of signifiers of like people's level within society. It's yes. supposed to be very egalitarian, but a lot is made of like how nice um, this apartment that they're staying yeah. in in the first half is because of some of the stuff they have around. There's a real obsession with um, wealth, I thought, and yeah. kind of status. Yeah, and which the is girls funny. Are very in... aspirational. Yeah, although they're aspirational in in very different ways, I would say because. True. Antonina kind of wants things to be just quite straightforward. Traditional. Yeah. yeah. She um, could almost exist in any time. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Katya is kind of like, I will work hard and I will kind of earn my position in society. Mm. Although she still just wants to kind of land a, a wealthy husband. Uh, so, would you say that? Or do, would you say that's more how she is in the second half? Again, it's hard to tell with her because she says some things in such a jokey way. Yeah. You almost don't know whether she's there's a bit of truth in that mm. or whether she's just taking the mick. Like okay. she'll say, oh, the best place to catch a husband is, you know, go to a graveyard and you'll find a wealthy widow. Oh, no, widow. but that's Luda, though. Oh. Is that the wrong one? Yeah, Luda is the... Oh, I was thinking of her. Yeah, yeah, Katya is kind of like the more, like, main... Yes, sorry, no, she is obsessed with... She is more focused on her career, of course. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, whereas... Um... Yeah, uh, Luda is, as as you say, kind of always joking about... And I think she is being quite jokey. She mm. sometimes shows self-awareness. Yeah. But she is essentially thinking that, you know, the way to success is marry the right guy. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, she's really judgmental of Antonina for that reason, like we, we as yeah. we've already said. Um, yeah, for but, just settling uh, with some sort of stodgy, boring country guy. Yeah. Well, you were kind of surprised by how things ended up, at least with the two of those at yeah, the end of part right. one. Yeah, so my initial feeling um, for the way sort of Katya was being set... No, Lud L- Ludmilla. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm changing between the, the <laughs> no, nickname. That's yeah. Not up on my Russian names. Yeah, Ludmilla, the way she was sort of set up, she seemed like a bit of a Rizzo character, like she was going to get herself in trouble. Mm. Um, but then it actually turns out that it's her more straight-laced friend. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was quite good in terms yeah, of good. not being predictable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very sort of deliberate, dram- dramatic twist mm, yeah. um the thing i don't know whether this is even worth mentioning but the thing about ludmilla she kind of reminded me of um of lydia lydia in, bennett in, in pride and prejudice Absolutely. i mean i think a lot of it's the similarity of the names but also they're quite similar personalities it's the very jokey much... sort of but slightly like oh yeah. you yeah. really need to be careful sort yeah, of thing don't do stupid things and it's kind of like officers officers yeah it's yeah like, chasing whereas... after the yeah. exactly yeah, yeah and then the bit in when lydia sort of like leaves that note when she's eloped she's like you will laugh when you hear where i've gone to and everyone's yeah. like oh it's not a joke lydia yeah. So yeah, there was a sense that she might end up a bit like that, yes. but she doesn't. Yeah, I suppose this is where this is kind of less conventional. Mm. Although, or does she? By the time we get to the second half, things are not. She, yeah, necessarily... she looks in kind of a mess, and yeah. things haven't worked out so well for her. Yeah, so... I mean, she talks about Moscow being like a lottery. And, yeah, you know, I'm going to win the jackpot, and it looks like she has because mm. the end of the first half, she's engaged. She's to... you know, is he a He's a, an ice hockey player. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he's quite successful. Sporting hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then that doesn't work out uh, quite as well. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you think uh, as far as like the filmmaking is, is concerned? I mean, we talked a lot about the plot and the mm. intricacies and detail. Um, would you... Yeah. I thought it was really well out? done. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of... Um, yeah, it's, it's really well shot and... Everything seems to have a meaning, like yeah. nothing is throwaway, mm. even though it's a good sort of two and a half hours or even more, perhaps. Yeah, about two and a half, I would yeah, say. It's yeah, it's real rich content. Um, mm. Nothing feels like it's done for the sake of it. There's some, yeah. yeah, nice lighting and sort of the sets are really good. The mm. You get a good sense of, of place. I often think um, when I'm watching a film from, I don't know, the 80s or whatever, which mm. is portraying the 50s, they always do such a terrible job of it yeah. because the 50s just looks like the 80s. Yeah, You know, yeah. like, I, it was ages before I realised that Dirty Dancing was actually supposed to be set in the 50s because <laughs> right. I just assumed it was an 80s movie with all the music and the hairstyles mm, and the perms. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the leotards. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, they do a really good job of that. 
and um, yeah, it feels like it's got a lot of substance, um, yeah. and it's been well thought of and well crafted. Would you yeah. agree? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I, I think it's not like it's not a very it's not a very flashy film. Like, no. you, you get the impression it's kind of very like okay, well, we'll do the things that we that we. But there's not like particularly like as I say, flashy camera work or you know mm-hmm. weird angles or you yeah, know, it's just quite. It's just you know, it feels unfussy. quite Yeah, it feels quite realistic. Mm. Um, and even the fact that the the actors and actresses are kind of none of them are supermodel gorgeous yeah they're kind of normal looking yeah and yeah, yeah. Um, they live in sort of normal looking places it, it it feels quite real yeah that's always the nice thing about watching a film with actors that you're not particularly familiar that's with that's true i mean i think uh the, the chap who plays gosha was quite famous yeah. in russia so maybe we're we wouldn't get you get that so much if if they were watching mm. oh yeah it's you know yeah but as you him. said you know he's not sort of conventionally stud muffin handsome yeah yeah so. and i mean katya is is quite attractive but yeah. but yeah she she isn't kind of like she's not like kira knightley gorgeous and yeah. she's meant to be this kind of average looking woman or something yeah yeah and especially yeah kira knightley working at that factory you'd kind of like <laughs> yeah your arm's gonna snap there um yeah uh, so I thought it was like visually fairly unremarkable, but in, in some ways that was good. I think because it's a drama, it's so focused on characters. If yeah. you kind of do flashy stuff, it's going to sort of distract. I yeah. think there was a good scene actually where, hmm. um, well, a couple of good scenes, and one of them was where she was sitting on the bench just after she'd spoken to hmm. Rudy, this is Katya, yeah. and told him about you know she's in this predicament, she's having about to have a baby that she doesn't want. Yeah. She, she there's no other way out. And he just kind of leaves her and shrugs yeah. his shoulders and walks away. And they not sort of my problem. Yeah, and they sort of leave her and slowly pan. Yeah. And it's not in a hammy way, but it's quite yeah. noticeable that she's sitting alone on this bench mm-hmm. and people are sort of carrying on their lives, yeah. but around her. Yeah. And um, yeah, that sense of isolation is quite well brought out sure. through the cinematography. Yeah. And then they kind of do a callback because when you meet, um, when they meet up again in the second half, it's in exactly the same place. That's good yes. attention to detail. Yeah. And also with them. Um, the, when the baby arrives, yeah. there's a kind of real good bustling scene where they all have dinner and, yeah. and her friends come back and and um, they're chatting and everyone's fussing and they're having this noisy mm. sort of jolly dinner. And then the immediate scene after that is a complete contrast where she's alone in her room and um, the mood is so different and she's yeah. clearly not happy. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was quite a good contrast there yeah 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 that was that was one of of two really nice juxtapositions they did Mm. the other one earlier on um in again in the first half is you have they go to this um this uh french film festival oh yeah you know and they're sort of in the crowd and it's really quite glamorous you have all these famous people they go oh look it's so and so it's so and so um and then immediately after it cuts to a scene of uh katya working uh, on the factory shop floor mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you know she's in her overalls and kind back of back to reality yeah, yeah yeah it's a nice juxtaposition as well so I, I thought that was uh, that was particularly good I mean any criticisms that you have I mean besides the kind of questionable gender politics we've already <laughs> sort of covered yeah um I don't know really I think that was kind of the main thing mm. that was the overriding theme for me yeah. that was coming out and I kind of had a question for you oh, actually yeah. how do you feel as a bloke, like, oh, yeah. were there any sympathetic male characters? Because to me, it seemed like they were mostly portrayed as goofy husbands or kind of down the pub getting drunk, whereas the women were sort of making something of their lives. And there was some sort of comment, I think, when they were talking about, oh, if you go to any art gallery today, it's all women because, you know, yeah. there's only women there that were interested in culture. Yeah, yeah. The guys are just, uh, yeah. you know, just down the pub or watching TV. Yeah. So the yeah. film's portrayal of men isn't that good, I thought. Yeah. I don't know what you thought. Um, I mean, again, going back to Gosha, the sort mm. of, you know, hero of the second half, <laughs> I think he's, he's, you know, the film loves him. And, and there are, like, genuinely admirable things about him. I mean, the fact that he, you know, he's not, that fussed about status but he yes. isn't a schlub either that's true because he has his good friends and he's just not that bothered about status but he has found a job that he likes and is really really good at yeah it's not like oh he's just you know he doesn't he, he can't be bothered and yeah. he's just doing something that he hates and yeah. crap at. because there are some men that are just following this executive dream and it all yeah. seems a bit empty and yeah vacuous. they're not doing it because that's what they want. They're doing yeah. it because that's sort of the way to get on. I mean, yes, the status that comes with it and all yeah. that kind of 
thing, yeah. Well, going back to uh, to Rudolph, and actually sort of following on from that, in the first half he's called Rudolph, yeah. and in the second he's changed his name to Rodion, which is a much more kind of stereotypically Russian name. Mm. And the kind of implication of that is that he's sort of done that to fit in. And they even say, you know, during the, the, the dialogue that, um, uh, that yeah, you kind of came across a lot more foreign names when we were younger. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, sort of a, a nod to that being, you know, very... That's sort of a signifier about, about the character. Mm. Um, another thing I really liked about it was just how many kind of Russian cultural details they had. Yeah. But none of them particularly felt shoehorned in. It was always it was always this is happening because this would just happen as you're going about your business. It's not yeah. like they've deliberately kind of engineered Sure. Yeah. And I mean, the difference there would be because this is a Russian made film, yeah. um, they would have no need to. Whereas if it was made by Hollywood, yeah. they would probably be like shoving in some like really cheesy Russian stereotypes yeah. which didn't sit well at all. Sure. But I guess it feels more genuine, does it? Or or if it was a more art house film kind of going, Okay, we're gonna now have this happen, even though it's not really important to the plot, just to show that we've done our research and we know <laughs> about this thing that they do. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, I what mean, were the examples of things? Um, one of the big ones was there's a bit where the characters are going to some of the characters are going on a journey and just so they're all packed and they're just about to head out the door and they all sort of take a seat mm. and that's something that is traditionally you know just done especially if it's a significant journey. It's not like every time you go out to, out to work you have to stop before you. But <laughs> if you're going a significant distance and it's just a it's like a I don't know it's, it sounds harsh to call it a superstition it's just a kind of a cultural thing that's yeah what you do. that's really cool because I had no um, idea about that so that was yeah. good for me and the other thing is you have a wedding scene and during the wedding um, all of the guests shout out Gorka Gorka and, and Gorka is the Russian word for bitter and so what happens then is everyone shouts bitter and this means that the the bride and groom have to kiss to make things sweet again in fact, I think there's a little bit where in the dialogue where you kind of feel like, oh, that's probably been put in for the benefit of non-Russian audiences. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because someone says, you have to make it sweet again. Right. Kind of like, a little bit of exposition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, that's an interesting point. So I haven't really talked about my criticisms. Mm, yeah, um, go for it. Besides, yeah, the gender thing. Again, we keep talking about it. I, yeah. I'm obviously, obviously really self-conscious about making sure... <laughs> Yes, I'm an enlightened uh, modern bloke. Uh, he is, listeners, don't worry. Yes, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. mostly dialogue is, is really good, um, but there is one bit right at the beginning of the second half where it does feel a bit like you're having this one character. It's the, it's the, the dance club organiser. Oh, that comes yeah. And she's kind of just reeling off all of these things and it's basically she's just going through all the problems of, you know, late 70s, early 80s Soviet society. Yeah, for the benefit of the viewer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that felt a little bit shoehorned, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that's 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 the, was the kind of the main thing that I had that from the sort of the negative yeah. uh, point of view. Talking um, about um, hmm. enlightened blokes, it was oh, really yes. interesting hearing you um, chatting with your wife earlier about oh, yeah. how... Even nowadays, it was quite unusual um, for a bloke to be doing the washing up or something. Because for yeah. me, I was sort of bringing up the point like, oh, you know, it's it's weird that, you know, he seems like this enlightened modern man, this yeah. um, gosher fella. Yeah. He doesn't seem that enlightened to me. But no. your point was, well, you know, he does make dinner for them. He and pitches he, in. Yeah. yeah, which would be quite unusual. And yeah. even now. Yeah, I mean, part of that is there's kind of a, been a bit of a reaction in, in Russia against feminism because... Mm-hmm. The Soviet Union ideologically really pushed women's equality, but there was kind of a double edge to it because it was kind of like, well, we want you in the workforce so our economy will be more productive. Okay. But the same, and they did provide, you know, quite generous sort of child support, and you know, it did want people to to be in the workforce. On the other hand, there was kind of, at least the impression I get, the unspoken assumption that women would still do all the traditional homemaking, mm. you know quote-unquote duties on yeah. top of that as well as being a, a worker so sure. it's kind of like and some and that's still kind of a hangover today yeah well and you have some some uh, women saying now in russia yeah we had 
feminism, we had equality, it wasn't that good. We want oh. to go back to oh, wow. sort of traditional gender roles because then at least, you know, we can stay at home and not have to go out to work as well. I mean, that's yeah. not like representative of women in general in Russia, but there is that kind of section within society that is kind of like, yeah, feminism not didn't all, didn't work that out that well for us. Mm, that's really Which, interesting. I guess Whereas here it's kind of had a renaissance where it's yeah. kind of moved on from this sort of typical shouty 70s feminism where everyone's burning their bras and now it seems <laughs> more kind of ingratiated and just kind of acceptable and men are feminists and everyone's a feminist. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of changed in a different way here. Yeah, like maybe less sort of self-consciously, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where this this tangent's going. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... I had one more question oh, yeah. for you. Mm. Um, as a former Russian dweller, yeah. how did Moscow appear to you in the film compared oh, to good point. Yeah. the Moscow that you know? Yeah, yeah, we did talk about this uh, while we were watching it. Um, a lot less busy. <laughs> okay. I mean, you commented on the roads, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that point? was the big thing, the traffic, because... Actually, one of the signifiers really early on in part two that Katya's kind of made it is that she has her own car. Yeah. Which it, they just, it was hard to get hold of. Sure. Even by the by the early 80s, people did have cars. It's just now tons of people have it. And also, I think population in modern Russia is really concentrated in Moscow. I think mm-hmm. I think back in the Soviet era, there was a bit more of an effort to kind of spread the industry out around the country and actually it was quite difficult just to move to to Moscow in fact fact, that's one of the themes of the film is that that people are trying to get stable jobs so that they can stay yeah you know the streets of Moscow is sort of paved with gold it seems and they're all kind of heading for that yeah so it's still aspirational now it's just it's just a bit easier to move there and also there isn't the necessarily the government support for industries elsewhere kind of causing people to move to the other mm-hmm. big cities in the way that they now move to, to Moscow. So, yeah, definitely the roads are, <laughs> are very yeah. are very different, obviously. Certainly what I remember from my fleeting visit all yeah. those years ago was, yeah, the crazy traffic. It was just mm. mad and really sort of, yeah, people were just going all over the place. And yeah. I remember the teachers sort of like being quite cautious about whenever we had to cross a road because yeah. <laughs> they were yeah. sort of counting us, make sure that everyone's Everyone. got over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, driving there. I mean, it's not always fabulous here, but it was. It Did you drive quite... there? No, I never drove. I was going to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not a nervous passenger in this country. I hated being a car in a car in Moscow just because people. White knuckles. A bit, yeah. People are very keen to get where they're going, yeah. and the traffic laws are seem more of a suggestion there. <laughs> More uh, of a guideline than a guideline rule. Guideline than a rule, yeah, to quote Jack Sparrow. I was just going to say that was yeah. a Pirates of the Caribbean yes, quote, which might be lost on unwittingly, people. unwittingly, yeah. They're more yeah. guidelines. Yeah, quality, quality <gasps> stuff. Um, speaking of Kira Knightley as well. Indeed. Come up again. Um, yeah, I think that was basically all all that I, that I had, really. Mm. I mean, there was kind of a nice little reference um, in the earlier part to... Uh, a poet that I've subsequently heard of since the last film that I uh, I talked about. They talk about um, uh, a poet called Yevtushenko being like really promising. Yeah, yeah. And it turned out this year he he just died. So it's kind of um, initially we we're kind of going, oh, is the are these actors they're talking about real mm. people? We didn't necessarily know, but you know, certainly some of the characters they they ref- or people they referenced were actually uh, yeah. real. So they haven't just kind of made that made that yeah up. and clearly you know people or russian viewers watching this would know that yeah. this guy obviously did become a big deal yeah so it's kind of funny to hear them yeah. say oh so he seems dram- quite promising yeah dramatic irony yeah, yeah it's like indeed. oh look how foresighted they were yeah <laughs> yeah i mean definitely going back to the positive and the good side of it i can definitely see now why uh ronald reagan might have watched this film as many times just yeah. in terms of how how it does provide insight and there's so much in it as well yeah. like i said another viewer yeah. would probably be quite um be quite good in terms of getting sure. all the bits that i missed and mm-hmm. it's yeah there's lots of detail in there yeah, and it's yeah. very substantial yeah it's it's definitely yeah definitely has a certain uh, uh staying power actually there was one more thing i wanted to mention oh, we yeah? talked about the stereotypes it was the bit where you have two male characters sorting out a squabble over 
copious amounts of alcohol. Oh, yeah. They're, they're sort of, you know... It couldn't of... be a Russian film without some vodka in it. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, if you had a film set in Russia and you had that scene and that problem being decided that way, you, yeah. I would probably go, oh, for goodness sake, yeah. this is just being a bit... They're like, going to start Cossack dancing in a moment. Yeah, yeah, this is a bit racist. It's a but little no, bit fiddler on the room. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, they're, they're sort of self-consciously uh, taking the mickey there, which is which is always nice to yeah. see, you know, when when a country feels... Sure, we know this is how we're viewed, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, or, or maybe there is a certain amount of truth to, yeah... Perhaps we actually do, some of us do actually do this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there was, before we kind of round things up, there mm. was a little uh, sort of question I wanted to ask um, as far as your sort of journalistic experience. Mm. One of the funny scenes, it's quite, it's quite a crucial scene, but there's sort of like a comic sub-element to it. You yeah. have, uh, this is still in part one, Katya is working at the factory and this sort of local oh, news yeah. want to do a story about mm-hmm. how she's this woman who's doing really well in the factory and they kind of want to show this to kind of inspire other people. And you have this journalist kind of presenter coming on, going to interview Katya, and it seems like she's going to, it's going to be very straight down the line and like, oh yes, it's quite inspiring. Mm. But Katya is then really, really forthright and she says some stuff about, you know, how the, the quotas is rubbish. Is rubbish and, and yeah. She's just really outspoken. Yeah. And you kind of get, you just kind of get the expression on the presenter's face like, Hmm, that's not how I was expecting this to go. Yeah, totally. I just wonder, had you ever done an interview when you kind of, it really surprised you and, hmm, that is not how I saw this going? That's such a good question. So, no, I don't think so, because interviews do tend to go exactly, predictably how you're going to think, because the people you're interviewing, um, I mean, the people I spoke to were generally kind of let's say D to C list celebrities. <laughs> they were generally in town for yeah. Panto or something. Yeah. So I'd speak to them down the phone or maybe at a hotel room yeah. or something. And um, it was all very formulaic. You know, you'd, mm. you'd sort of, you got the impression that they had anticipated every question. Sure. They answered them all a hundred times and they had a kind of script almost. Yeah. So yeah, 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 they'd done all these press conferences before. Yeah. So you'd try and throw in a kind of a different answer, but then often they would just kind of, steer that back to a very generic um talking point maybe. yeah exactly yeah. and i was like oh i was trying yeah. to ask you about your favorite cheese but you yeah know, you just told me of how wonderful the play is yeah um yeah, so yeah. yeah they do tend to go exactly how you predict them yeah to be. actually i was gonna say like as far as the celebrities thing i guess if it is more sort of b b list c and and below you, you don't have people being such a big star that they can kind of say whatever they want yeah exactly and just be like yeah whatever um <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so um, generally, um, yeah, it sounds like you've you've enjoyed it. Would you Indeed. recommend this to other people? Yeah, I would. I yeah. would. Um, I'd say, like Mr. Reagan, it's a good mm. insight into yeah. uh, Russia at that sort of era. Sure. It's really fascinating to get that insight. You know, not everyone has lived there mm. and, you know, experienced that or um, has that kind of knowledge, perhaps. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that was really good yeah. to see. And, yeah, the characters are great. There's a lot of humour yeah, I would, I would recommend yeah. it. But sort of as a follow-on to that, do you think, as you said, it's very useful kind of as a sort of, you know, almost like a cultural artefact? <gasps> but do, do you think it has a more sort of, that sounds pretentious, but more universal appeal? It or? does. I mean, the themes, of course, are completely universal. Yeah. Um, they're all about, you know, what life throws at you, really. Yeah. And, and in that way, it is kind of a bit like Little Women. It's, you know, three friends that start off from a similar point but then sort of um, separate off in their different ways. And they go through, you know, they're talking about love and they're talking about career and family. Um, And there's a bit where they're all sort of sitting on the steps after this sort of dinner and they're talking about how, you know, their parents are getting a bit old now. And it's, yeah, so there are these conversations that people will have today. They will have had 100 years ago and they will be having in 100 years to come. So, yeah, definitely universal themes prevail. Okay, so, yeah, check it out. Uh, thanks very much, Jenny, for, for joining me. I'm, it's been my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad that it hasn't been a total dud of a film. We've well... just gone, oh, I'll never do this again. Yeah. <laughs> That's three hours I'll never get back. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> no, it's very good. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much. And um, I meant to ask you about this. Mm. Um, if uh, people would like to hear more from you, are you on social media? Oh, yes, I am. I'm at Jenny Shelton Cam. Okay. On Twitter. That's okay. probably the best way to find me. I'm generally talking about birds or birds. 
Or period dramas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> One of those oh. three things. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have to have you uh, on for like a 19th century literary adaptation next Oh, yes, time. please. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you very much for listening, and do svidaniya. Goodbye. Не сразу все устроилось, Москва не сразу строилась, слова... So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovich and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Oh yeah, and don't forget to check out World Film Locations Moscow from Intellect Books. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now. Александра, Александра, что там пьется перед нами, это ясень семенами крутит пальц над мостовой, ясень с видом деревенским приобщился к вальсам венским, он пробьется, Александра, он надышится Москвой.